0: Hi, I'm Jed Bodwin and you're listening to Into Music from the KMUW studios, part of the NPR podcast network. Our guest for Into Music episode five is Frankie Sunswept. Sunswept is a New York based singer, songwriter, guitarist, and music educator. His most recent release is 2023's Pink Noise. In this conversation, Sunswept discusses his early love of composer John Williams the advantage of having a public library card, and the joys of providing guitar lessons. He also talks about the importance of remaining an active writer. That's on Into Music, coming up now. I always start by asking people what their first sort of awareness of music was.
1: It was John Williams soundtracks from the movies as a little boy. I mean, I was born in 1980 and uh, that's like a golden age of, you know, so many movies from the early to mid 80s and late 70s were John Williams and those soaring soundtracks. I would just I'd find myself singing them as far back as I can remember. Memorizing the melodies and da 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 da, <laughs> all those big moves and that really gave me like an emotional connection to music like right away. You know, I didn't really become like an actual like musician like interested in creating my music until much later in life than most people. But that from 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 birth, I remember movie soundtrack melodies.
0: Yeah those those John Williams scores are so great for that. They're so instantly memorable and uh and totally buoyant as well.
1: Totally just soaring and like how it feels to hear music as like a a a, a new being.
0: <laughs> you mentioned that that you didn't you know start music until until later. So what was the What was kind of the, the moment there where you went from being a listener to being a, a, an active participant?
1: I was about 10 or 11 when MTV was like full throttle Metallica Nirvana. And I had, I for once some Christmas right around that time I had the, they just did that Led Zeppelin best of double record sometime around then. And I got it for Christmas. And so riffs and rock just surrounded me and, um, I was just starting to skateboard in Southern California in, you know, 1990, 1991. Um, And those soundtracks just made a huge impression on me. And that's what made me want to start. I began engaging with music and playing guitar at around 11, but it was not, I didn't, it's really weird to say, but I didn't have the self-esteem to think I was a musician. I was learning all these songs by ear because a buddy showed me a power chord and I could play... All of Nevermind by ear. <laughs> That's what's so wonderful about Nirvana is how kind of simple and excellent his songwriting is, and you know riffs, Metallica and Led Zeppelin. Li- little things I could do at first. I couldn't do most of it, but so that that was that was my entry into being a musician, really. But then it wasn't until about a decade later, until I was about twenty, that I thought. You know what, I, I actually love music. This is really a special thing. I, I how would I make my own? And that that's when I began my journey as like trying to create my own music.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. You know, you, you mentioned that the self esteem component. And I remember in my teen years having a friend who's playing I was just in awe of and I I asked him, I said, How did you know when you were good? And he, his response was, <laughs> I didn't even ever think of it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right on. Well, that's cool. Cause that would be a better option than constantly thinking you, you stink or you're, you're never going to get there. Yeah. I guess blissfully unaware is nice when you're just enjoying, if you've got, if you got that right arm going and done and you know, like connecting to the, I would play along to the CDs. I think that's the only reason I can play guitar is that I really loved the rhythm and I would play along. So I worked out all those weird i you know guitar is weird man i teach people guitar i see them going through kind of the same struggles and yeah i just loved the rhythm part of it so i would play along and got my right arm going yeah to just to just enjoy playing music is a great place to be and then kind of you and then once you're like oh i'm getting kind of good then that thought comes in your head (laughs) and it's more difficult That's an important thing that I reflect on a lot as a teacher is like how we feel about what we do, how we size ourselves up. And it's really it's really difficult. It's like can be can be kind of a a baggage
0: thing. As you started taking it, you know, let's say, you know, for lack of a better term, more seriously and, and decided that you were really going to actively participate, make your own music who were some of the people that that kind of guided you or were there people even before that who were kind of guiding your taste and and your approach and your ideas about music yeah it's interesting because uh i
1: i loved like hip-hop and like heavy metal and punk rock but like out of my personality like i couldn't see myself like taking on those voices and like expressing i mean i love the beastie boys and like led zeppelin and the Misfits and, uh, I don't know, the Minor Thread and just so much like, you know, um, Wu-Tang Clan, like all that, like late 80s, early 90s stuff that, you know, so it holds up. I think I I couldn't I couldn't see myself making music like that. I just I guess I was too self-conscious or something. But then when I started getting into like the Beatles and Bob Dylan and, and Reese, there was something about that music where I'm like, this comes from something much deeper than I know about. I just sensed that and then it caused me to read books on them and go back and get interested in sun records and robert johnson and um you know little richard all this stuff that just blew my mind like it's funny but i i didn't hear that stuff really till my late teenage years it's just was kind of dusty at that point not not a lot of people like listen to that stuff so i would listen to hank williams and feel like whoa i'm on the moon right now what is this (laughs) and that kind of stuff i i started to feel well some of this, some of these voices I could see myself engaging with. And so I stripped my music down to could I write a song on just a guitar? And would it hold up? I don't know why that was my intuition, I guess. I guess I just that that's what got me going. Like, can I write a song? And then I started playing like harmonica and guitar, which Neil Young and Bob Dylan inspired me to do old old folk music recordings where you hear stuff like that. Uh, yeah. And, and so that that those those that was kind of like the catalyst to me writing my own music, like, could I play a song at open mic on adjusted guitar and sing it? And now my journey is that I love to layer. I, I write by layering and playing everything myself. But <laughs> so I do the opposite now, actually.
0: Yeah. When when you were kind of doing the, the digging, the, the reading and and listening back to older stuff, you know, was this like the public library? kind of thing where you'd go to the public library and check things out.
1: That's amazing that you ask that because actually a lot of it was the public library. Um, at first it was Amoeba Records in LA. I, I grew up in LA until I was about 22, 23. And then I moved to New York for God knows why. I didn't know anyone there. My, my mom's side of my family is from Syracuse, but I just wanted something that was opposite of LA. I needed a huge change. So I moved to New York and yes, I was going to the New York Public Library and taking out Leadbelly Belly CDs and Woody Guthrie and all this old, old blues and just like sopping all that up because I loved it. And you know, half of it, I didn't even have the first idea how to play. People say the blues is simple. Like, I don't know what they're talking about. Just because it's three chords doesn't mean it's simple. These guys are masterful, like to play a Robert Johnson song correctly. No way. Like to play even like Book of White, that rhythm, I I just any of it, man, like, I didn't, I had to slowly figure out like, all the different tunings, all the slide, I got into slide guitar, all that stuff. And now we're talking about songwriting, because you try to play a style and you can't do it. But what can you do? And so I would try to play a Blind Willie McTell song, and I can't, I couldn't do it. He's, he's a master. He's a masterful musician. But I would start writing my own song from the techniques that I've picked up. And that's so cool. That is really how I think that's a more honest depiction of how music is made most of the time. Contrary to the myth of that these genius artists come out of nowhere, fully formed, and they have this new thing that no one's ever heard. It's like, no, you just haven't heard their influences.
0: <laughs> I mean, you touched on that that thing with the, uh, with the blues artists. So many of them are, are playing so idiosyncratically i mean it's it's they're not necessarily you know uh playing a classical style with a thumb in the middle of the neck so they're adapting mm-hmm. to their physical self in their playing and then you got to work that out as well
1: yeah and figure out that let this yeah totally oh my gosh just their personal touch of how they play and I mean, I took me a while to realize, like, oh, Lead Belly's twelve string is tuned way, or you know, and and Blind Willie McTell, they're tuned down to like B, <laughs> so it's a standard tuning, but the E is now a B. So, and then the, when I figured that out, I was like, oh my god, no, that's why my chords don't sound right, and like the little riffs don't don't line up on the on the strings that I that I hear, you know, like if you do a E sus four on a guitar tuned to B, that fourth note is gonna be on the G string. But I, if you play, if you try to play in the key of B on a standard tune guitar, you're in a totally different position. It just doesn't sound right. So that kind of stuff is is real fun. It's fun to do that digging. But yeah, but this was kind of right. I mean, this was the early, I guess, mid 2000s. So the internet was kind of just going in all that world. You couldn't look up a tutorial on Leadbelly yet, really. You'd get some weird, like, folk music, like, web page with just text.
0: <laughs> yeah, the tablature and telling you what the tuning was, and then kind of good luck.
1: Yeah, yeah. If, if even that, oh my God. I mean, I, I, I appreciate the YouTube tutorials now. As a music teacher, oh my gosh, I just, like, looked up some Lindsey Buckingham stuff. I'm like, okay. <laughs> That's what he's doing.
0: Yeah. So you, so you started writing songs and then, you know, you mentioned open mics, was that kind of the the world that you first entered in, in terms of performing and so forth?
1: Yeah. I had just, I just like kind of dived into open mics. That was how I got my experience singing and playing, learning in front of people, which was kind of brutal, but, but uh, there was some, there were a lot of really good times and it just got me going. I felt like I had a late start to it all. And, I just had a drive to share songs and found some open mics in New York that were really like communities, especially like the sidewalk cafe where kind of the anti-folk thing came out of. And I kind of just loved, I didn't even know what anti-folk was when I landed in New York. I guess I was not, I wasn't in that, the know of all that. I learned about it later, but the community there was really great. It motivated you to want to come up with a new song every week and share it with a packed house of people. It was really, really special times in that way. It motivated me to to write a lot, which is so cool. I feel for people who don't have a community and something like that driving them to write more because I think that writing, you get better at it when you do it consistently and when you let yourself write badly and just work through it because you you have to do that. You can't write one song a year and expect it to be good. That whole like lightning coming down from on high. (laughs) is a myth as well showing up is the real magic showing up over and over so that that's that's what that kind of process was for me is writing a lot and sharing sharing with with a community so it was a cool time
0: i imagine at things like open mics writers nights whatever you're you're finding that community and then you're probably also finding the voices that you're going to listen to like Another writer comes up and says, Hey, I really, I really like that bridge of that song. And you're like, Okay, I admire that person's taste. So if they're saying this is working, then maybe I'm on to something while also trusting yourself that, yeah, they might like it, but maybe it's not quite where I want it just yet. Right. That's
1: so, yeah, to get actual real time feedback is so cool. Definitely. And uh, in this internet era, it is kind of disturbing to me, um, especially after COVID, how like kind of separate we all are. And like, I don't know, I feel for, for young songwriters right now who are like maybe focused on the numbers on Spotify and stuff like that. Like, it's just all about like having a community to bounce your songs off of and get hyped off other people's differences, you know? That's so important, it's so cool. Yeah, like I just gained real i mean i don't know I, I as artists we always struggle with um self-consciousness but the kind of confidence that really helps you is comes from a community like a friend telling you i love that song of yours and you're like oh shit, okay cool this guy likes that song damn <laughs> or 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 you know not just guy any, anyone anyone uh, any any people any part of the scene, obviously. I say guy as a <laughs> old school.
0: In those moments, as you were coming into that community, were there specific people where you're like, "Oh man, that person, um, I got up my game because they blow the rest of us out of the water."
1: Yes, and that's also awesome. Yeah, people who who you're like, "Whoa, I gotta I gotta try harder," <laughs> and in in these ways, like it's not, it's not great to compare yourself to others on one hand, but there's kind of like a feeling like, Ooh, they've got something that I would love to stretch out into a bit. Can I try that? Everybody's always gonna be like, that person's got it. And I I don't know, you know what I mean? Like everybody, when you think people are better than you or something, that's, that's it's kind of cool. You're kind of just seeing something in yourself that you would like to bring forward. That's a cool way to think of it.
0: So when did you make that transition from doing the 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 open mics and so forth to you know entering the band environment?
1: That's a funny question for
0: me because I I was in kind of
1: like this rock and roll duo after the folk music. I was kind of really listening to surf guitar and getting a little bit back into punk rock. I guess I just had made acoustic music for enough years and that, you know, rock and roll still really, really appeals to me. I mean, like my favorite singer is probably Little Richard. (laughs) That just kind of unbridled joy and craziness I wanted to try to engage with. And I had a rock and roll duo for, for many years that would tour all over the country. And we really tried to, and we were, we were a little DIY rock and roll duo that, worked incredibly hard and went to every corner of the country more than a few times. And <laughs> that that came about just out of I booked a DIY tour once to get out to the West Coast for my friend's wedding. <laughs> that was the first kind of tour I was ever really on. I booked it using uh, I don't even I don't know how I did that. I guess I asked friends and used Facebook. And then just that that whole thing is is so kind of enticing. it. it makes you want to do another tour because it's so fun, you know, meeting local artists all over the country and playing little shows. But, but ultimately like that lifestyle is very hard. It's really, really takes a lot out of you and it can mess with your, mess with your confidence because it's, it's you out there in the big world where nobody knows who you are. And (laughs) that, that's, that's, I went kind of from that like open mic and acoustic scene here in New York to then Having this rock and roll duo and we would play kind of like house parties and fun stuff and clubs little you know the smaller clubs here in new york and yeah just just sheer determination to book a tour is what got me out on the road for for years
0: <laughs> how important is it to you know you mentioned taking that trip out west for a friend's wedding and there's nobody standing in your way telling you you can't do this. It's foolish. You just have the confidence of like, well, this is a, this is a means to get me where I want to go, and I get to do something I love while I'm doing it. So here we go, and nobody's gonna stop me.
1: Definitely, yeah. Uh, that's there's, it. That's kind of a beautiful time in your life. Uh, I'm a. I don't know. I'm thinking like how naive I was. Oh my god! I just like booked all these shows and just went out there i didn't really know how to like promote a show i kind of still feel like i don't know how to do that to be honest and maybe i shouldn't maybe i should be able to just focus on music but that's that's fun that's a fun time when something is new and you just go for it i think that you do need that you need to just i guess naively go for it but that's you have a need to play shows so get out there and play them it's really really great
0: and you've now made this transition into teaching guitar what what kind of inspired you to become teaching because i you know i know a lot of working musicians are like there's no way i i couldn't teach anybody i i don't have the skills so it really does take something so what convinced you that that was the right avenue to pursue
1: that's a really yeah that's so true i mean some people are just not at all interested in teaching and i guess it's, I don't know, I guess, I l- I like working with people, I like helping people achieve like a goal, I-, I really do feel like that is really meaningful to me. And I love actually, I love to deconstruct music, I love to learn a song and figure out why it's kind of figure out, you know, at least part of why it's magic, what what is magic about this song, you know, I'll never fully know, it's magic for all of us for different reasons. But to dig into a song and share that with people. And I really do like music theory. I love, I love deconstructing music in that way. So I, I, I kind of just gravitated toward teaching for that reason that I guess my personality was that I enjoy doing that I love sharing what I what the little that I know, <laughs> the little that I'm learning. I've learned more being a music teacher, from people's questions and from all the hundreds of songs have learned than, than anything at this point. So that's really cool.
0: And you also get people of sort of all levels, people who are maybe thinking like you were when they were young, I'm going to write songs. And then at the same time, probably people are like, you know, I just really want to sit in my atrium and play guitar by myself and figure mm-hmm. out tunes, you know, from my from my uh, you know, Spotify playlist or whatever. My favorite thing to teach is songwriters who
1: are like, I don't really understand what a key is. I'm like, ah, I got you. I I wondered that for years and years too because I had I didn't I you know, it's funny I'm a guitar teacher, but I I didn't have lessons. I learned by ear and by learning in my life, I've probably learned a thousand songs, I would I would guess. At this point, and I slowly put together theory, and then and then utilized YouTube to really kind of fill in some some gaps over the years. And that's my favorite thing to do because it's giving songwriters all the all the options, is what I think of music. I don't think like music theory is a weird term for it, although that's cool because it is. This is what has happened before, and how a scale builds chords. I, I love showing songwriters that kind of stuff because. You know, you can you can blend into other keys intentionally or just just yeah, just like harmonic like color choices really in songwriting. It's really fun.
0: As you're working with students, I've found this in, in my own teaching of, of writing, that occasionally I'll come across somebody where maybe not yet, but they have the potential to be better than I am. You know, and I really try to foster that. Do you get students where you're like, oh, this person has so much potential and I really just want to help bring that out in them?
1: Oh, totally. Yeah, there's a few of my of my really young students where I'm like, you you rip like (laughs) you don't understand. But like, yeah, it's like, oh, and then I think about what do I wish someone had mentored me when I was that age? I mean, ultimately, you just want to get people stoked on music and be their be their buddy. You just just guiding them, and I inject a little bit of stuff here and there into where you know. Mostly, mostly, I just like to learn songs they love when when I'm teaching kids. I have a couple students age like nine and ten, and yeah, I just want to make them love music. But I also, uh, while we're learning songs they love, I'll kind of tr- start talking about things that I wish someone had shown me at that age. And that's really—it just feels really cool to do that.
0: I think what I've learned from our conversation is um, get a public library card. <laughs> don't let anybody tell you no, and, um, <laughs> and and let's see what else. Oh yeah, yeah. Work on your ear. Um, oh, I love this! Wow, yeah, dang, yeah. <laughs> that's so cool. So, so I mean, is there is there anything else? If you're kind of you know, giving somebody like a, a, you know, here's like five things you got to know. Is there is there anything else that you think is is really important to, to mention to, you know, maybe a beginning player or an intermediate player?
1: Oh, my gosh. This is like the nightmare question where I, I it's so important to me. I want to have like a really good answer. I would say find a way to really love the work and crank it out and always try new stuff. And, and trust trust your intuition. It's so hard to just go in the direction your heart is telling you and try to really notice when you, you're, you're, you're hearing other people's expect, expectations in your mind. Because that can really slow you down and gunk up the wheels. Like, you do just kind of have to have these huge leaps of faith that what you love has value. The writing to me really is like, I wish I had learned to love the work earlier because when we're in a place of curiosity that's a really good sign that we're somewhere kind of healthy that's something really cool to to foster
0: yeah I I, I would just add to this as you're you know you're talking about loving the work. One thing that I found out over time was uh, to be accepting of my failures because it's like if you get oh up and you, if you get up and write every day you're gonna write something bad right? Definitely. <laughs> but the more you practice, the more distance you're putting between those times when you do work that you don't think is great.
1: Definitely. We definitely need a whole new sea change on, on our reaction to failure. I think failure should be thought of as success, honestly, because you showed up and you, you did, you made something, you did something that is, that is work and that is success. It sounds crazy to some people. Some people would think I'm totally off. But like that album, Pink Noise that I just made and put out um, in April of last year, I showed I had these. I had this project called tea songs, I poured a cup of tea. And I said, I'm gonna write at least one chunk of a song words and melody and chords by the time this cup of tea is done. And you know, often I would write like three little pieces, actually. And some of it would be like embarrassing, embarrassingly bad to, to me. <laughs> but then other times I'd be like, ooh, that's all right. That's got a little thing. I'll, I'll, I'll come back to that. And just kept it, kept it moving, but made them in little small bursts that are like doable. So any kind of project like that, I really love. Like a prompt or a, a little thing to get you outside of your comfort zone. So many of my heroes as writers are like, where you feel like your feet don't touch the bottom and you're floating and you're uncomfortable. That's great. Get excited about that.
0: I'm Jed Bodwin and you've been listening to Into Music from the KMUW studios, part of the NPR podcast network. Our guest has been Frankie Sunswept, Sunswept's most recent album is Pink Noise, which is available on Bandcamp and major streaming platforms. You can find his artist page on Facebook. Our theme music is composed and performed by Torin Anderson. Our digital producers are Carly Cooper, Beth Golay, and Hugo Fan. Production assistance is provided by Fletcher Powell. You can learn more about into music at KMUW.org and email us at info at kmw.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, we're taking center stage. Introducing NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of Black-led stories from NPR's podcasts. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts.